On this edition of the Deseret News Ute Insiders Podcast, we look ahead to Utah going to the Pac-12 tournament in Las Vegas, talk a little football, a little gymnastics, a little softball, a little baseball, yeah, a little of this and that. All that and more on the Deseret News Ute Insiders Podcast. This is the Utah alum and the ultimate heel of professional wrestling, the MK Band. And you are listening to the Deseret News Ute Insiders Podcast. Welcome to yet another edition of the Deseret News Yet Insiders Podcast. I'm Dirk Facer, joined by Mike Sorensen and his son, Andrew Sorensen. Guys, welcome to the show. Good to be here. Yeah, thanks for having me. These guys uh, were good enough to come here on their way to Las Vegas So uh, for the tournament this week. Mike, let's jump right into basketball. You're the expert. Booth Gotch came up big. He sure did. You know, Booth's had a real struggle this year. He had like eight games where he was like, he shot 22%. He was shooting 3% from three-point range, one out of 30. So he just couldn't hit anything. And he's just the last uh, last two games has played great as well as he's ever played. And without him, they would, like the coach said, without without him, we would have lost this game, which was true because he had 28 points. He tied the game with two seconds to go. Then he wins the game with three foul shots at the end, three clutch shots, and they win. So yeah, got to hand it to the kid for uh, coming through when he needed to. And you got to add ask you, you know, like uh, at least us older guys, back in the day we'd stand in the driveway and dream of a scenario where you need to hit three free throws with uh, less than a second to go. Do you ever do that? Of course. Everybody does that growing up, whether you're bad at basketball like me or pretty good like my dad. <laughs> well, I don't know. Did you guys ever hit three in a row? In the Never. <laughs> no, because they didn't have a three-point rule back when I played. So, yeah, this is a... <laughs> that well, not even two thing. in a row, so yeah. I definitely haven't in a game. I'm not that good, Dirk. Yeah, I like to pretend <laughs> I could hit three in a row, but I don't think I could even in my best ward years. But, uh, you know, that was that was really clutch. And that, what a crazy finish to a game, though. I mean, that was Colorado was kind of celebrating. They thought they'd won the game. Yeah, it was kind of a, you have to admit, it was a little bit of an iffy call there, a dubious call. But, you know, I had to talk to a friend last night, and, you know, the crowd, I've never seen the crowd so upset about uh, uh, officiating. You know, they were really booing the minute before that because they missed two or three calls. It went the other right. way. You know, there was an offensive foul maybe on there on McKinley Wright, and then they had a traveling call on on Brandon and Carlson that kind of looked iffy, and and so Pete, the crowd was really upset. So I guess like Larry kind of said afterwards, things kind of even out, and I guess he he was willing to take the win. Yeah, he'll take it. And then Booth went on to be named Pac-12 Player of the Week. That's obviously good confidence boost for like you said a guy yeah, who's kind of struggled. You know, I think he did because he uh, he really had some bad games, but he's come on and you know maybe not having Ryland there, he's kind of has a he's more comfortable you know being the point guard and having kind of running the show in the past he was the off guard and and kind of didn't get involved as much so maybe that helped his game and that'll be a, a good problem to have next year with if they have two guys that can run the point what was the big difference you noticed between the two point guards? Do you notice a big difference in the way the team operates? Well, yeah, because Ryland is, is is kind of a pure point guard, you know, kind of the Jeff Jonas type, you know, going way back, and just the maybe Steve Nash type that just kind of runs the show. You know, he's able to score, but he kind of is more like just the, the kid that, that runs everything and gets guys in the right position. And Booth's more of an athletic guy who's, who's as, as Larry would say, he likes to go downhill. I mean, he's at his best when he's driving to the basket you know, getting ahead of steam up, and, and Ryland's more of a back-and-forth, you know, parallel guy working around the outside, not going in inside as much as Booth. So, um, And Ryland's probably a better passer and doesn't make as many turnovers, but Booth's maybe a little more explosive and is able to get to the basket and, and score more points. So there's a di- marked yeah, difference. Yeah, there's, a, there's quite a difference. And Booth's almost 6'7", and Ryland's 6'0", so they kind of, uh, there's a big difference there. Yeah. 
I mean, I think it'd be really nice if, you know, Booth got that confidence back. I mean, obviously this last week he was showing that he can still play. <laughs> right. And I mean, if Ryland and, and him are on and Timmy continues being consistent, I think, you know, there's big things in the future for this team. Well, speaking of the future, uh, you, you guys are headed to Vegas to watch him in the Pac-12 tournament. Mike, how do you think they're going to do? Is Oregon State a good draw for the first game? Yeah, I think it's good. I think they'd rather have Cal, but you know, because Cal's not as good. But and that was a possibility. Cal ended up number ten. They all those three tied, and they just had to do the tiebreaker. And and, and Oregon State got the top spot, Utah, and then Cal. But uh, Oregon State's a pretty good team. You know, they've they've they beat some really good teams this year. They beat Oregon, who won the league, and they so they they had some bigger wins than Utah in the in the Pac-12. But um, yeah, I think Utah matches up pretty well. They beat them by twelve points in the early season, and then went up to Corvallis and got blown out by almost 20 so um, it's a pretty good even matchup and of course as and this is something you've been through the last five years is even if they win that game look who's waiting in the the next day right <laughs> the same old Oregon team that's beaten them for the last five years that's kind of their nemesis so you know I, it would be nice for them to get that first one and then who knows maybe they can turn the tables but uh, that's all it's gonna be that would be a tough thing to, to do against the, the league champion. In the first game, is Tinkle uh, something they can match up well with? You know, they did a pretty good job on him both times around. I remember that first game, he didn't get into double figures until late in the game. Right. The second time, they didn't. he didn't really do that much. He wasn't their star that game. It was it was more of the guard. And uh, But I think that, uh, yeah, he's the guy they got to watch the most, and they've kind of been able to handle him pretty well. Don't let him get off, because he averages 18 points a game, so you don't want to get let him get close to his average, which they didn't the first two times, I don't believe. So um, yeah, he's a he's the guy to watch for. But they got a lot of seniors. They got that uh, inside player um, Kaiser Kelly, who leads. I think he's if not the leader of the nation or top two in the nation in block shots. And he's a seven footer that gives him a lot of trouble. Well, and it, it's interesting that it's the first time that. Uh Larry and his uh, former teammate and assistant coach are uh, going to go head-to-head in the tournament. Yeah, that's true. They haven't ever played Oregon State in the tournament. And, uh, but, uh, and those guys, I mean, they were they were close, you know, and they still are, I guess, but they still are pretty competitive against each other. And right. there's no love lost when the two teams play each other, you know. But uh, It's got to be the tallest matchup exactly, between yeah, head coaches in the six, nation. 6'9 against 6'8, right? So <laughs> That's a lot of real estate, except, as the kids say. Yeah. Hey, I don't know any kids that say that, but okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> We're old. We assume anyone under 50 is a kid, right? <laughs> hey, um, Mike, is there any combination short of winning this tournament? Can you see Utah getting an NIT bid if they win two games in Vegas? Or Actually, I can see them getting in even if they lose. Now, hear me yeah, out here really. because there's a uh, an expert. I've thought all along that if they win the first game, if they beat Oregon State, they're probably going to go to the NIT because the Pac-12 is so strong this year, they're going to get six teams in, possibly a seventh. Right. And after that, who's left? Well, Utah's the next team because, you know, right now Oregon's eight, Utah's nine, and the NIT is going to want to have at least one or two Pac-12 teams in the tournament. And UCLA may not make it. So say there's six, UCLA or USC, one of these teams may not make Get it. In, right. So they'll be the first choice. But if they need a second team, if Utah beats Oregon State, well, Utah has the same record as them. They have a lot more of these um, quad one and quad twos in Oregon State, right. you know, which they go by a lot. Utah's done very well in that this year. So... Um, and not only that, I, I noticed today on there's a guy whose name um, John Templon who has a, a website, uh, Mid Major Madness, and he's kind of like the um, he kind of like the Joe Lenardi of uh, NCAA. He kind of tracks the NIT, and he has a bracketology. Now this is hard to believe to me, but he has Utah as a number four seed right now, playing Notre Dame as a number five seed wow. in the first round. Well, that would be in the Huntsman Center. That yeah. would be, yeah. I thought along that well, if they they might sneak in as a seven or eight or a, or maybe a six 
six or seven seed, you know. Right. But, um, you know, this guy is a guy who, who looks at it and he figures stuff out. A lot of it depends on these, mid, these mid-majors. They have to let this, the champion in if they don't right. make it. So if a lot of them get upset, that's going to fill it up and maybe they won't. But right now, that's what he has. And uh, like I said, he's an expert. And I thought, too, Utah's record is going to be, what's their record going to be if they lose this, this week? Well, there's 16 and 14 right yeah, now. Yeah, so it'd be 16 and 15. You say, well, no way, 16 and 15. Well, I looked it up last year in the NIT. Texas was 16 and 16. They made it. Butler was 16 and 16. Nebraska was 18 and 16. Uh, Alabama was 18 and 15. Arkansas was 17 and 15. Providence was 16 and 15. So all these teams that lost 15 games were in the NIT. And Utah's from a major conference. So in other words, it might be, we might think, oh, there's no chance, but there really probably is a pretty good chance just depending on what happens. Especially if they win one game, I think they probably have a really good chance. They don't, I I could be on the the so-called NIT bubble, I guess. I was going to say, I think if they beat Oregon State and Oregon, for sure, they're going to be in the NIT. I mean, that's just oh, another yeah. that's another nice, Oregon really sure, nice win yeah. on their resume. That's I mean, they already have some like flashes of brilliance this season with oh, wins yeah. over Kentucky Beating and stuff. Kentucky so and BYU. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah, that's the thing. That's why it that's helps some nice them wins. now. As opposed to last year, remember last year? Were you kind of surprised when they didn't make the NIT? They're yeah, seventeen the, and fourteen, and they'd won like the. They didn't even get they, a sniff. They came yeah. in second the year before. They didn't even get us, and yet. So this year they could be, you know, 16, 17, and 14 also, similar record. Or 17 and 15, I guess, if they win One of those two, at least impressive wins. Yeah. But then you could argue there were some ugly losses too. There were, but they do have more of these, these quad one wins that the NCAA really goes big on now. So there is a chance. And Colorado considered what a quad two win? Is that well? It might you know at the time? I guess it would have you know. I guess would've. it is, yeah, because they they were they were a quad one team forever, but for now maybe they've slid back, yeah. But that would that's but definitely still, that was a good win to add to the resume oh, too. Yeah. Oh so yeah, sure. finish with that one. So let's just say that the NIT has their eastern bias. It'd be funny if North Carolina gets in with a fourteen and twenty I record, guess, whatever yeah, they are, or twelve and eighteen, whatever, <laughs> whatever, whatever is, they yeah. are. Yeah, but let's just say that the NIT doesn't come a calling. The Pac-12 kind of made a statement that they're not just in the CBI or the CNC, what do they call that CIT. CIT. Should Utah pursue something like that if it doesn't happen just so these young fellows can get more games in? Or do you think the Pac-12's got to remain strong and say, we don't do that? Well, definitely the CIT, that's just for for mid-majors. So none of the right. Power Five go in that one. But the CBI, uh, I think West Virginia was in it last year. You know, they're, so, they're from the Big 12. A couple other teams, but the Pac-12 hasn't done it for the last five years. But I, the only thing I could think of is back when I covered Jim Boylan about 12 years ago, they had a really young team, and they went to the CBI. Of course, they were in the Mountain West at the time. Right. They went to the CBI just because they wanted the experience and to kind of get some. That could be the only thing. Otherwise, maybe the Pac-12 prefers them not to go, like you said, to even be in this tournament. So well, I, Protecting the brand, right? Together. Yeah, plus the, yeah, they have to pay to be in that. So they may just say, oh, we don't really? want to bother. Yeah. They have to pay to be in that? Yeah, it's kind yeah, of a funny thing. It's, and it's not cheap. <laughs> yeah, so I I think I think Utah they have a chance to go to the NIT, and otherwise they may just say, let's get ready for next year. Well, speaking of the future, Mike, what is the future of Utah basketball? They have a really good recruiting class coming in next year. The disappointment maybe of being near 500 this year could be circumvented next year with a, with a stronger team and more confident team. 
Yeah, I think the key is is keeping the guys they have this year. That's been the biggest problem with Larry Kristoviak. You know, they've lo- they lose players every year. They've lost some really good players. And if they can keep everybody they have this year, and there's been rumors that one or two of them, you know, I've, I don't want to say their names, but they might be thinking about transferring, you know. Um, and not that I know anything personally. I don't want to say this. I know that someone is, <laughs> but there's just been rumors that certain people, you never know what will happen. But they got two good players, Ian Martinez and Caleb Lohner, are both top 100 players, top, you know, top 60 maybe. Maybe even so, they're two of the top recruits they've ever had. They're both uh, off guard swing type players that shoot well, and that's their shooting's been kind of it's been their problem this year outside shooting. Well, uh, don't leave out Pell Larson either. He's a really solid. Uh, He's from where? From Sweden, I believe. Sweden, exactly. He's another I mean, Scandinavian. He's also kind of a. I mean, he's a he's a really athletic shooting guard, isn't he? I mean, he's he's a six five, yeah. So they got three guys I mean, that are about between six three and six five coming in, and so um, yeah, I think the future's bright. You know, if the if they can get bring these guys in, and a lot of them can play right away. The guys who are playing this year, if some of them, you might, you know, if they're not disgruntled because they're getting surpassed by someone and want to leave, that's always a problem and always a, something you got to worry about. But if they can keep the core they have this year. Bring in these three three good players next year. It could be, uh, you know, they could really improve. You think they could be an NCAA team again? I think it's possible. Yeah, it just depends on the rest of the league. You know, the rest of the leagues they have a lot of young players, but the best young players are going to, you know, people like Nico Mannion and, and Isaiah. Uh, what's his name from Washington? I forgot his last name just now. But these guys are, he's going to be a top 10 pick. So these guys, if they all go pro, you know, these teams with the freshmen that got all on the all-freshman team, uh, it's going to make a difference. So Utah's keeping all their guys, hopefully. Right. And, and they should pass up a few of these teams that beat them this year. I think with our, especially with our main core, you know, if we can keep them, you know, between Carlson, Jones, Gotch, and Allen, and then with these new recruits, I think we'll be pretty solid in the next couple of years. And, and Jan Tunin. And, and Jan, yeah, Jan Tunin's been great. And Batten, if he ever gets out of a slump, you know, they got right. some good players. So. Yeah, I think the future's really bright. Especially, well, I mean, these guys are getting a lot of, these young guys are getting a ton of experience this year. And, you know, I think it's only only up from here, you know. Andrew, you're a man, uh, man out, on, uh, out in the stands and seeing things. Uh, the fact that Utah State is doing so well and the BYU is doing so well, does that add to the pressure for, as, a, as a Utah fan that... Like gosh, dang it! Why aren't the Utes in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, maybe maybe a little bit. I mean, I, I definitely think fans get pretty restless sometimes. You know, you know, we have had some transfers in the last few years, which I think is frustrating for fans. But you know, I mean, Coach K has consistently brought in pretty good recruits, and I mean, you know, like we've been talking about, I think this team is really good, and we have some a nice recruiting class coming in, and you know, I think. Even though we've been patient for a while uh, with the team and with and with the program, you know, I think it's still a good time to be patient and see what happens with you know what, with what we have right now. Mm-hmm. Plus BYU, they've got all seniors this year, right? And who won that game back in December against <laughs> Utah BYU? I believe the boys in red won that one. So. Yeah, I'm just saying that there, if people are worried, they're a, well, a step Utah ahead State's of them. Utah State's got uh, some seniors down yeah, there. Yeah, Utah State does too. And I, I wish Utah would play them. That's one of my pet peeves that Utah will not play Utah I'm State anymore. I'm with they you. They should play them every year without whatever, with tournament or not. But uh, yeah, and so Utah, I think, in the next couple of years could edge past these people. And if they don't, then maybe there's a reason to make changes or something. Well, and one thing we didn't mention, Timmy Allen being an all-conference, so deserved mm-hmm. honor, and he's obviously uh, more than just a, an interesting hairstyle, isn't he? 
Yeah, he's uh, he's got like six different hairstyles. I've, I've talked to him about it before. But yeah, Timmy had a great start, and then he, when league play started, he kind of got in a kind of a not a slump, but he just people figured out how to to get around him because he's a he drives inside. But if, if they get these outside shooters next year, I think his game will really open up a lot because he won't have the pressure and they won't be able to collapse on him as much as they did in the league season. All right, guys, let's move on to football. Uh, one week of spring balls in the books. Spring break. The Utes taking the week off. Either one of you anticipate that the quarterback situation is going to be settled this spring, or do you think that's something that's obviously going to carry over into the fall, especially uh, between you know Jake Bentley and Cam Rising? I know Drew this, uh, the coaches and the players like to throw his name in there, but it really it's kind of a two-man race. Do you think it'll be settled this spring? Whether it's settled or not, they won't tell us that. That's, let's put it that way. I think they want to keep us, everybody guessing, and also maybe these two guys, because if they say that one of them is, is, is beating the other one out, you know, then maybe that will discourage the second second guy, and not that they're, they're going to transfer or anything like that. But I think they want to keep at least until maybe early fall camp, and maybe they could in the first week or two of fall camp pick a guy. kind of doubt, though, they would pick somebody now and then just leave it for three months. I was going to say, even in the past, when it seems like there's a clear start of they rarely let the fans know, or or the media for that matter. I mean, that's true. They always seem to keep it a secret. Well, and you know, and so Rising's we'll been practicing for a year, and you right. know, Bentley, the vernacular. I'm sure there's a lot of new things he's got to pick up, and he needs the time. And maybe that's what spring football is all about for him: is to just learn the offense and get everything down, so that it is a head-to-head battle come this fall. But uh, who would have thought the Utes would be going into a season with a South Carolina transfer and a Texas transfer at quarterback? <laughs> Times have changed. The portals change things, hasn't it? Well, it certainly oh, has. Yeah. And, you know, both those guys, you can look at it both ways. That you got Cam Rising, who has a year under his belt, and he was a high recruit at Texas. But then you got a guy, Bentley, who threw for 500 yards against Clemson, you know, the he national made champion. Made 33 starts for yeah, Southfield. Yeah, so you think, man, if he played in the SEC and is that good, he's got to be pretty dang good to play in the Pac-12. That'll be good. Well, all right, uh, guys, last thing on football, way too early, but there's starting to be a few predictions that leak out across the country in that. Do you guys think the Utes, uh, despite having to replace nine starters on defense and the quarterback running back on offense and that, do you think a third straight Pac-12 title is out of the question, or do you think it's possible? I think it's very possible. You know, I mean, Utah's kind of established themselves as a, one of the best teams in the South. And, you know, a lot of those teams, some of those teams were down last year in the league, you know, in the South and Arizona and Colorado had kind of a up and down season. And But USC is their biggest, you know, threat. And they do play USC in Salt Lake this year. So I don't, and that's an advantage for them. So I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm going out on a limb here, but I don't think they really <laughs> are going to be contending for that title. I think it's possible. Anything's possible, but I think this is a year where, you know, maybe a second or third place finish in the South isn't that bad of a result. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it probably just comes down to whether the Pac-12 South, the other teams are any good. Yeah. You know, because like I said, USC on paper, they are, they're always yeah. good, but they haven't been putting it together. And then, you know, in Arizona State's kind of hard to figure out. They seem to be a little Jekyll and Hyde-ish. So, yeah. I mean, on uh, the other hand, Utah's always so good at replacing leaving starters, it seems. I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll be, maybe we'll be pretty good again. Maybe we'll just have a lot of 50 to 40 games this year, you know, because yeah. of this it's, offense. So, so we can stay be up till one in the, the morning. Will, yeah, it should be a lot more entertaining. I mean, Utah's <laughs> always been a defensive team, and I think that you know, and uh, you know, they, their their offense doesn't seem to be as big of a deal as a defense. But this year, you got a great. I mean, look at the offense. They got good running backs, quarterback, receivers, a whole offensive line Britain, except one is coming Kelby's back. Yeah. Covey's back, so they got to be very happy about the offense. It's just that you know, if they have 
10 starters replaced on defense. That's tough. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. Hey, um, Mike, you, you mentioned that the University of Utah ski team has a big week ahead. You know, people don't realize that the University of Utah has a defending NCAA champion. And the ski team won it last year. They won it in 2017. They've actually won 12 titles between the men and the women over the last you know, 20, 30 years. But they're, uh, tomorrow they're uh, defending their championship up in Bozeman, Montana. And that goes for four days, and they'll be... Um, you know, against uh, the top ski teams in the country. Now you're going to say, how many ski teams are there? Well, there's about 25, but there's only like mm-hmm. about maybe a half a dozen that are really contenders, including Denver and Colorado. They always, one of those two teams, or Utah, seems to win it. Sometimes Vermont, or the, some of these eastern teams have snuck in there. But um, the Utahs, um, they, they should be one of the favorites this year because they beat, uh, they won three of their four ski meets this winter against uh, in their region against Colorado and Denver, who are their biggest competitors. So look for another possible national championship, you know, come Saturday if Utah puts it all together. You know, the Olympic sports, there's a lot going on. Uh, the number four Utah gymnastics team has their uh, home finale uh, this week against Utah State on Friday at 7 o'clock in the Huntsman Center. Jumping around, I'll just kind of give an update on a few other teams. Baseball team went 2-1 and one, uh, last weekend against Minnesota. Uh, they have a 6-7 and seven record, and they open Pac-12 play this weekend at Arizona State. And that starts on Friday, so uh, hard as it is to believe uh, regular season baseball's here already, too. Softball, the Utes are ranked 20th, and uh, they're at 14-4 uh, and four on the season. The only losses they have this year against teams ranked in the top 15. They open Pac-12 play this weekend uh, up in Seattle against Washington, so that's a Friday through Sunday series. Uh, lacrosse, they're 3-3, three and three, and they're uh, back east. They're out on Long Island where on Saturday they'll play UMass. And so uh, things are starting to happen, you know, and at least like for the baseball and softball teams, Pac-12 play started. What do you know, the Andrew? Do you know something about the minor sports, sir? Of course. Yeah, really? I mean. Uh, Update us. <laughs> well, the softball team, I mean, you mentioned they're uh, ranked in the top 25. They've had an outstanding preseason, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, how they fare in the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is always a pretty solid conference right? It's when it comes to softball. Tough, probably the best, yeah. I, mean, I mean, those teams beat, beat each other up in uh, conference play, so uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Utes fare uh, this time around, especially, like I say, with such an outstanding preseason. Oh, and, um, you know, and baseball, you know, the Pac-12 is a great baseball league, too. And of course. It's still, you know, when Utah won the championship, that still goes down as one of the, the greatest triumphs, I think. And, that was. Amazing, wasn't it? Yeah, that was <laughs> two years ago, was it? Just yeah, yeah, and last every year, and then one year that you're not last, you win the darn thing. So, but opening in Arizona State is a, a tough assignment, and uh, be interesting to see if the Utes can get off to a decent start because it seems like a lot of years, obviously finishing last as many times as they did, they kind of get buried in the standings early, and then they're kind of digging out. And uh, you know, this year it'll be interesting to see if they can. Uh, Hold some, hold some water there. Guys, any uh, any other final words, final remarks for put you guys in a car and send you to Las Vegas? Well, do you want us to do anything for you while we're down in Las Vegas? I know you love to go to Vegas, Dirk. Uh, 
I do, and uh, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to be a good boy, so we won't talk about gambling. Okay, all right, that's good. And we There'll won't talk no about gambling. gluttony with the uh, buffets. But uh, <laughs> if you do get a chance, uh, I have this great habit, and I've always enjoyed it. Is uh, I like to get some crab and some hot butter, and I don't dip the crab. I drink the butter and then throw the crab down as a chaser. So that's just what I do. Okay, well, we'll that sounds awful. Awesome. That this year, but, <laughs> she uh, said we'll, I'm not allowed to do it anymore. We'll think about it. That but doesn't sound good, Dirk. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, it sits in your gut for a while. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see how the Utes do. On there. I think if they can win a, a game and, and then play Oregon tight, then that will probably be a, an accomplishment. And Anything above that will be gravy for them. Now, where are you guys staying? At the Orleans? We're staying at your favorite Orleans. hotel, the Orleans. Yep. The Orleans. I, I understand there's a construction convention down there and everything's pretty expensive right now. Yeah, that's for sure. So we'll, uh, we'll watch out for that. <laughs> well, safe travels to you guys. Thank I appreciate you, you stopping by and doing the uh, podcast on your way. And uh, I know when you're in St. George and you're going, if we'd only got that podcast done earlier, we could have uh, <laughs> done something fun before it got dark, but uh, it'll work out. But uh, folks, we appreciate you for listening uh, to our podcast. Just a reminder to tell your friends to tune in. Just a reminder, last couple of weeks, we've had some special guests. Last week, we had Steve Tate here. Just to remind you to keep the Hayes Tough Foundation in your mind. Uh, they have some upcoming events, and uh, we're fully supportive of what they do. And anything you can do to help Steve and his family would be appreciated by not just us, but by darn near everyone who knows them. So if you can do that, that'd be great. Uh, go out and have a good week, folks. We'll talk to you next week. And as usual, we'll talk to you later.